So I hear you can talk to fish. I mean, was that actually in the trailer? I forgot. But was that actually in the trailer? It's it's what ended the trailer. I think I must have blocked that one out of my mind because no way. There's no way that you tell you tell Carl Drago, I hear you talk to fish because that's like That's the last thing. Oh, because <laughs> I was with your mother last night. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to I got to rewatch, rewatch the trailer now cuz oh, oh, oh. I hear you talk to fish. Do I smell like fish? There, no, your we, mother was a fish. Yeah, your mother. At least that's what she did last night. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, Comic Con twenty sixteen. It was a doozy. It was a doozy. It was a doozy. And so is this podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Alex explains it all. We're talking Comic Con here on Real Talk. Joined as always with producer Seth. How uh, you doing? Uh, how are you doing after this Comic Con? Um, I like how you asked that as if I went and yeah. I, I'd love to, to have actually gone. It was, it was great. It's beautiful in San Diego this weekend. Yeah. I enjoyed every minute of it. No, sunny I weather. Oh, let me tell you something. The traffic on the 405. What? Oh. Man. You gotta God. take East and the route yeah. to even get around. To I Sarasota mean, Avenue and then, oh, oh man, what'd you, what you pass? What'd you They pass? got a, a Burger King on Sarasota. <laughs> oh man, they... God. That sprite on hit. Man, bust your neck. Oh, I can't wait to name this podcast that sprite hit bust your neck and have no one listen to it. Um, we're talking Comic-Con. Comic-Con just wrapped up. And can I tell you something? I feel like out of this Comic-Con of years past, it's mostly been word of mouth stuff. That that's It's announcements. It's, hey, we're com- this is going to have its first season. It's little teasers. I really... F- I mean, besides DC having their trailers for Wonder Woman and Justice League, a lot of the stuff, and you know what? Kudos, because I feel like for the first time they've been able to lock it down and really prevent leaks of footage and trailers. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. There weren't, you know, there weren't any, but what, technically speaking, you know, they showed, like, in Comic-Cons of the past, they showed stuff there, but didn't show it to the public. Yeah. And that's where it leaked. But at least this time, it's like, all right, Comic-Con, here it is. Also, the rest of the public, here it is. You know, they didn't try to withhold like they well, did with Batman versus Superman. Because they showed it at Comic-Con, and, and then they didn't release it until months later. And it, and it leaked. And it leaked. Yep. Um, but I think the one thing that hasn't leaked, but has been through word of mouth, and I find really interesting, was Guardians. The description of Guardians Volume 2. Yeah, we haven't heard it. I mean, aside yeah. from the title now, but, but nothing and else. And James Gunn actually came out and said that there was they were going to be trying new technology to prevent people from... I mean, it's scary, but to prevent people from recording. And what I think, because people freak out and they go, Oh, Orson Welles. <laughs> why, why do they do that? Of the general public. Of the general public. Clearly. Yeah. Orson Welles, he's watching us. <laughs> Is that what they do? Yeah. Okay. Not George Orwell, Orson Welles. No. Oh, I thought you were talking about Orville Redenbacher. I'm sorry. I'm confusing all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but I think what it was, I think it was a screen technology. It, uh, it's it got to be to where if you oh. hold your phone up to it, it can't record it. It's the same thing that they put on license plates to prevent. <laughs> it just reflects the they light just back. sprayed it. Actually, James Gunn just... It should just, be the plastic. It should be the plastic yeah. over the screen. <laughs> Visqueen, just shaking it to mm-hmm. where people can't record. Um, but, so Guardians. But I, I, the first thing I really want to talk about is I think one of the only pieces of footage... That has come out of Comic-Con. DC came out swinging. And the first thing that I think we should talk about is Justice League. Yeah, that was... Because um, I remember you... We were discussing it and you mentioned it. I, I didn't even know. I had, I knew that... Um, I believe Wonder Woman dropped. Wonder and you Woman told dropped. me Justice yep. League dropped too. And I was like... That yeah, wasn't it, it was interesting. I, I remember sending you... Because you sent something, and then I just listed, this also hit, this, 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 and you went, my God. Because it all kind of happened at once. Yeah, it was the uh, the Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. when all the DC stuff dropped. So there was a photo that came out, and then I went, eh. And then the trailer hit. And I have to say, 
the one thing I noticed that this trailer had that neither Man of Steel nor Batman vs. Superman had was humor. That trailer had more humor than those two movies put together. And I think that that is an extremely good sign. Oh, yeah. Because that's one of the the major drawbacks from, you know, Batman vs. Superman and also Man of Steel. That they, you know, it, 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 ha- it was just too serious. It was just way too serious. And it needed that, you know, you don't need comic relief, but you need comic books. The word comic in them is yeah. in there for a reason, a you know. Point. So uh, it's much like Suicide Squad. That's why yeah. I'm still very hopeful and excited about it because it's got that great blend, action, seriousness, definitely some comic relief in it. It's, like I said, I'm, it's still very early. It's the first trailer, but it's a good sign. I'm not looking. For, I'm not looking for DC to make Marvel movies. All I'm saying is DC needs to pay attention to what Marvel is doing and why people go to the movies. Because it, it's working. It is. I mean, like you said, we don't want you to copy them, but learn from them because it's 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 working. It's it's they have established basically how to do these movies, and every time. They come to that conclusion of, well, we can do what Marvel's doing. Marvel hits them with something else, and they have to switch up their game. Um, not only did Batman versus Superman drop, um, but Wonder Woman did. And I, I want to focus on Justice League, and then we'll go to Wonder Woman. Justice League is going to be very interesting for the sheer fact that if they are smart and do this right, they will circumvent the problems of Batman versus Superman. And that is introductory, expository moments and dialogue in the film, getting around it and saying, okay, introducing this character, you know, Barry Allen, Bruce Wayne. The the different characters that are going to be in this movie, if they, if Bruce is the central focal point and he goes and he gathers these people up, and you can follow one character as he goes and gathers these other people to fight off this force. They band together and fight it off. That is a clear logistical movie as compared to the hot gumbo dump that was Batman versus Superman. So you're saying Justice League... Okay, it sounded like for a second you were talking about Wonder Woman. No. Justice League is the key to making sure it's set up correctly... As opposed, because do we know any release dates? Which one is coming out first between the two? Do we know? Do we? Do we? Did they tell us anything about that during Comic Con? Uh, I, I'm. We're gonna have to look that up. Uh, the th- the thing that matters for me is, and the re- this is the reason I say it. They went. They went the other way with it. They did not establish individual mo- individual movies for the characters and then bring them together. So, if Justice League is before Wonder Woman. If Justice League does well, and obviously people are already ready for Wonder Woman, but if they do well enough, they'll say, okay, we want to know more about these individual characters. We want movies of them. If Justice League stumbles, it's going to be Justice League, Wonder Woman, Ben Affleck's going to have Batman, and then they're not going to know what to do. I see what you're talking about. Okay, so you're you're definitely right in the sense, but they have... it's, It's clearly not the ideal way of doing mm-hmm. it. Again, you don't want to copy Marvel, but Marvel, like I said, Marvel did it right. So they're having to reverse engineer yeah. the process and do the group movie and then base it on that. Yep. So here's uh, here's this question. This may be jumping in. Is this do or die for the DC Cinematic yeah, Universe? I'm glad you brought that up. You know what I think will be their saving grace? I think... That DC has to push the fact that they have a female-led and driven superhero movie before Marvel. If they can say, we are the franchise that has empowered women, Wonder Woman mm. is the... We're, she's not a sex symbol like Black Widow. She is... Uh, an icon, just like Superman. She she's a gorgeous woman, but she's strong in her own right, and she can fight her own battles. She doesn't need a team; she can stand on her own. 
And I think that if DC is smart about it, they will really push the fact that they have a female-driven superhero movie before Marvel. Marvel has one, and it was a big announcement. But we'll get to that. But I think that they actually have some things stacked in their favor. Yeah, no, you, you are right about that because it's becoming more and more prevalent for that to be such an important factor in film today, which it's not a negative by any means, the whole female-driven thing, because obviously many, many, many movies are driven. It's it's white males. So we are tip, we're seeing more female-driven leads. We're seeing more minority-driven leads, and that's great. Except for, yeah. like, the Ghostbusters thing. Yeah. Because, like I said, that was done simply for the fact to say it's driven by females. And, and, and that's the whole, that was the whole point of that argument was, it's look, they're women, and they had nothing to back it up. Yeah, that's Now it. you have, this is the power of comic books. Because comic books speak to the disenfranchised and the minority. The people that feel like they're on the fringe of society, they turn to characters like themselves who realize, I relate with this character. And you have Luke Cage coming out from net from Netflix. You, Black Panther? Black Panther is an homage to Black Hollywood right now. I really feel like the casting in Black Panther is out of this world. They are really doing a really good job. And kudos to the filmmakers because they are saying right now, the comic book of Black Panther is influencing the decisions that they're making in the comic book. And right now, the most critically acclaimed comic book coming out from Marvel right now is Black Panther. I'm definitely agreeing with you there because we both saw Civil War. He was one of my favorite yep. new characters that were introduced into, and that's including Spider-Man. Yes. Because Black Panther was, I mean, I'll admit he was a rather unfamiliar character to me. Not one of the books that I had ever read or one of the characters I knew much about but great casting choice and great performance one of my favorite no definitely the, I mean out of the Civil War completely definitely my favorite character because they develop I mean you saw him develop that whole movie was a really good case from of start to finish just all, based yeah. on revenge and getting over that it just it was they do it so well. And I don't want to speak on behalf of anybody. I, you and I sitting here right now, we're, we're white males. We're, we are 90% of what we're seeing in comic book movies right now. But of the people that I know, and we will bring on, you know, females, people of different uh, races and, and beliefs. In one, but I don't want to speak for them or on behalf of them, but I will say from the people that I've spoken to, they're really excited about Black Panther. And... The reason is, is because Marvel is really touching upon the fact that they're embracing, they're embracing the fringe. They are looking at their fan base and they aren't saying, here's a movie, you either like it or you don't. Whereas there may be some other filmmakers that don't feel like that. I just read about this today, The Killing Joke was released in theaters. Yes, I read about that tonight as well. <laughs> they, I, I assume we oh, read the same thing about how it poor, may be ruined. Poor Alan Moore. He cannot, he cannot get a win. A, he can't catch a break. And this is really, well, I'd say because the first thing I thought, I was like, this is surprising that Bruce Tim would allow this to happen. But then the quote from Bruce Tim going, it's complicated. Yeah. But it's really, really disappointing that that this is happening. This is that this is happening. Oh my gosh! But um, wait till you get a little. Yeah, I was wondering because I read it tonight, and I was like, I I hope Alex has read about this because we have to touch on this. So I was jealous of the fact that there was a sold out one night showing of it here locally, and I'm thinking, man, I wish it would have gone. Then I started reading some of the things that came out, and I went, oh, I am so happy I didn't go to that. Well, and while we're speaking of Comic-Con and and comic books, there was a panel at Comic-Con that discussed The Killing Joke. It is the most iconic Joker Batman stories. The Dark Knight 
with Heath Ledger, he really drew upon the killing joke in the development of the character of the Mm -hmm. Joker. Mm -hmm. And many consider it sacred text. It is the penultimate Batman-Joker face-off. It's the story of, you know, how one bad day can push somebody over the edge. And apparently the creator and the writer of this film adaptation had one bad day because he went off Man, on that, that one was fan. great. And, and that was the best just exchange. That yep. They're going to come out and, you know, kind of spew a little BS. And then a fan is going to call them out on it. Yep. And then that's that's it. It's no longer professional. It's personal. Yep. Um, you know, and I don't know, we, we, for anybody who hasn't read The Killing Joke, I guess we don't want to talk too much about it in case we don't, we don't want to spoil it. Or we don't want to talk about what the change, or we can at least talk about why yeah. these changes have been made. So I guess you can touch on that. So there was some expository dialogue and scenes added into this film adaptation that were not there originally. And one of the things... Why is that? Well, the well, I mean, it's simple. The book is not that long. Yeah, I, I yeah. I, well, and it's hard to, and sometimes it's hard to translate text to movies. But one of the things that had been developed in the animated series was sort of a relationship between Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and and Batman. Well, spoiler alert for those of you who plan on seeing the film. Uh, I would say fast forward about a minute to where you'll you'll skip over this, but in the film, Batman and and Batgirl have a sexual relationship, which you would think fanboys would be firing their batarangs over. Yeah, you could say that. Yes, but um, instead it's blasphemy. More, instead, it's more like when Adam West got dipped into the ocean and that shark was chewing his leg and he had to punch it off. Wow. It yeah. is jumping the shark. Yeah. Well, now, while it is a fact in some iterations of yeah. that there was something, but it was more the fact that it was done in the killing joke. Yeah. And, and you you don't. And done to the extreme. Like, Mac, not like a relationship. They they were banging straight oh, up. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's, and, and that's why the movie got the R. People are saying that the reason this was a rated R DC film is because of the sexual nature of and it. And that's not the case. I don't well, think Well, the, the people that have watched the film say it, it really didn't broach the violence aspect of it. It was the sexual that's aspect. That's also disappointing if that's the case. Yeah. Oh. Very disappointing. So the thing that bothers a lot of people and bothered this fan was, was after the sexual relationship, Batman kind of does this typical guy thing where he's like, all right, see you later. And doesn't talk to her anymore, and she she flips out. She becomes Batgirl to get Batman's attention so they can... Uh-huh. Um, What's funny is I heard I heard all this from uh, a local show on, on, on Machinima, and they made a great point. Again, this is a spoiler. This is a huge spoiler yeah. to the end of the story about what happens. The Joker... Okay, fast forward. Yes. Joker ends up... Um, paralyzing Barbara Gordon because yes. he shoots her. So, and if you haven't read, again, this is the, the, this is the very end of the story. Um, the Joker tells Batman a joke. At mm-hmm. the end, of, it's tell you know it's the killing joke. Tells him a joke. In the very last scenes of it, they're having a little bit of a chuckle mm-hmm. at the joke with each other. Well, if you put that into context with what's already happened, he's like. <laughs> Uh, you, you shot and paralyzed my girlfriend. <laughs> it's weird. It is. It is it, and with it's in, in context, that's super weird. It didn't happen in the yeah. Killing Joke, so it's fine. Well, but now that they put that in there, it's like, what the hell? How beautiful of a metaphor is it, though? That I feel like the exchange at Comic Con is completely a representation of what is happening with movie makers and their fans. Fans are like, hey, I have a question. Yes, I'm the creator of the film. You have a question? You, Why did you screw this up? Uh, Well, that's your opinion. My, well, my opinion is that you suck. No, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Come over here and say it again. Yeah, say it to my face. 
You saw what happened to Batgirl, right? I can just as easily make that you. This is real life now. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an autobiography. Um, but it, it's in, it's indicative. That it, it's You have these people that have a vision, right? Normally Marvel. See what I did there? And uh, you... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> so, but normally you have these filmmakers that have a vision and they say, okay. Paul Bettany just shook his head. Wherever he yes. is right now, he just went, oh, He just no. tried to run and pass himself through a wall and just ran his face into it. <laughs> um, but you have these filmmakers, and I, I understand. I understand the fear. Ghostbusters, The Killing Joke, these are sacred texts to nerds and geeks. You cannot mess this up. So what these people are trying to do is diverge and say, we're going to take what these people love, and we're going to put a unique spin on it, we're going to make it our own. Well, the problem is, is when you take ownership of it, you better treat it with respect, and you better be cognizant, aware, and respectful of the source material. The reason Barbara Gordon is such a pivotal and iconic character is because when she becomes Oracle, even though she's paralyzed, she is the brains of Batman's operation. She oversees, you know, Alfred is, he can build everything, but if Batman needs schematics, data, background on somebody, he calls up the Oracle. And it, it just, it, it completely does a disservice to Barbara Gordon as a character, and really to women, because it just makes Barbara Gordon seem desperate that she's trying to get the attention of a boy they hooked up. The boy's not paying attention to her. And so and one thing leads to another. It, it just, it's sad because people were really excited for this movie. You had the voice talent from the animated series doing the Batman story. A rated R version of it, too. Yeah. You got the, I mean, not just, you know, uh, Batman, but they just got the essential voices for all the characters. So it was, it was huge. It was huge. Yeah, until... Until they showed it, can you can you imagine can you imagine getting everyone together, and you are just praying at the altar of Alan Moore, and you go to Comic Con and you show it, and you're just okay, and the lights the lights come up, the movie's over, you turn around, you go ah, eh? and you have it's dead silent, and you just have somebody going, that sucked. <laughs> No, you just, you, 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 what you end up having, you just have Alan Moore somewhere just like, and get up and walk. No, no, I'm tired of this. Leave extraordinary gentlemen. Are you serious? There's only so much he can take. V for Vendetta, Watchmen, The Killing Joke, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Alan Moore has written some of the best. Um, my ears are ringing. I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't have to hit me. <laughs> theater of the mind. I I'm, <laughs> I don't believe in it. I like actual uh, theater. You were performing the killing joke. Yes. <laughs> You're literally going to try to kill me. Um, well, either I'm going to bang somebody and then shoot them. <laughs> well, no, that didn't work. I'd have to be Joker oh, and Batman. <laughs> Wait till you get a load of me. Um, but for Alan Moore, he's created these works, and he feels like he, he doesn't want anybody to touch any of his stuff anymore because he's been very displeased with how they've done it. Pretty much everything. I don't think he's yeah. ever liked anything that they've done. Well, Alan Moore doesn't like anything ever, which <laughs> is why true. he writes such good stuff. <laughs> That's true. He is a miserable old man who's just brilliant. He's like, you like my writing? Because I hate it. And I hate you. Get out of my face. And, and so it really circles back to DC trying to make themselves stand out from Marvel. But then again, and, and therein lies the issue, it's that Marvel appreciates the source material where DC is taking the characters and then trying to write around them. Superman. Okay. What are we going to do? Kill a guy. All right, Batman. We we have Man of Steel. We have Batman versus Superman. What can we do to make Batman different? He's gonna kill a guy. 
Okay. All right. Justice League is just going to be like... <laughs> it's going to be a gang mafia film. Well, now that I realize that, just a man, Suicide Squad is going to be a bloodbath. It is going to be brutal. It is going to be just... Is, what is it? Is it rated R? Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, well, you can't, you can't have a name of a movie called Suicide Squad, and it's PG-13. Squid Squad? Squid Squad. Um, Featuring Squidward. Yeah, I'm just trying I'm trying to think of the justification of why they allow Batman to kill somebody in Batman vs. Superman. It's giving me it's giving me a brain hemorrhage. You know, and to, to just to quickly touch on how you said, you know, they appreciate the source material. Another thing it is that they do is, if you're going to change the source material... You better make it better. Yep. Don't make it worse. You know, that's like why, that's why people were so divided with, with Watchmen. With them putting Apocalypse slash Doomsday in. Yeah. In, you know, it's like, what story are you telling? You know, it's the people. People want to see an accurate representation of the source material. Not. Don't pick and choose. And then try to put it together in something original and screw it up. Don't pull the worst parts and then skimp over, you know, the iconic moments, the moments that matter, the moments that show Batman has Superman on the ground with his hand at his throat about to kill him and says, I want you to remember this. Every time you go to do something... I want you to think. This is not a direct quote, but this is what this, this meant. Yeah. I am the one man. You are from Krypton. I am the one person on this planet that beat you. So don't mess with me. Instead, we got... Mom. Mom. <laughs> Our mom's got the same name. Well, if you think about it, he was... T- he was. He honestly was looking at Bruce going, Oh my God, you're standing on my nuts. Oh, oh you're standing on my nuts. What? What did you say to me? You're on my balls. You're on my balls. I, I don't understand what you... Get off of him! It's like, because I pushed him... Oh, I'm sorry, man. Was I hurting you? Gosh, I mean... <laughs> let's let's just step back for a second. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm so... I, I know, that's, that's I know not I cool. I know I got metal shoes on. And it's not cool. You're just wearing underwear, so... <laughs> I apologize about that. I understand, yeah. We're just... We're not equally matched here. I got the armor and everything. Sorry about that. So you have Justice League, you have Wonder Woman, which watching Wonder Woman, I was all about it. If if I'm a girl, if I'm a female and I'm watching it, I'm going hell yes. I was a male and I was all about it yeah. because that was the, uh, that's the scene that I like to replay. Wonder Woman the first Avenger. When she came out, when she you know she finally showed herself. Yeah. Um I mean obviously she was throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But when she finally came out and she had to save them, yeah, Superman and Batman, she had to save them with her power. She was more powerful. She was the hero in that movie. Yeah. And she came in, started busting Doomsday, Doomsday's ass, and that music, which is the same wow. music from the trailer. Uh, it, well, no, not quite that wow. one. But it was <laughs> just a great mix of the action going on and the soundtrack they put to it. Wow. What are you? What is, what is that? <laughs> that's the theme song. No, it's wow. not. That's actually. I think that's entertainment. <laughs> that's what you, entertainment tonight, right? Yeah, it's man. Same thing. John Tesh is playing Wonder Woman. You can you can tell by the chin. Mm-hmm. Mary Hart. John oh. Tesh is Aquaman. Clearly. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. Oh man, entertainment tonight. Entertainment tonight. Justice League. Ooh, who would Leonard Moulton be? Obviously, Alfred. We are disenfranchising 80% of this audience. We can't do worse than DC has already done. Oh, oh my God. I clink a glass if I have one. Please add in randomly the sound effect in post of two glasses <laughs> clinking at a random point. Just clink. Um, but so we've got DC. And what's interesting is DC knew they had to show something. DC had to say, well, check us out. We've got the Justice League. We're coming at you. It's happening. This is what we're all about. Marvel just issued press releases and people were like, oh my God. Literally, when they showed the picture of the gladiator armor for Hulk, I had, and I told you this, I freaked out almost as hard as when Spider-Man showed up in that trailer for Civil War. Yep. I dropped my phone because I went, 
they're doing it mm-hmm. in some capacity. They're going to do Planet Hulk. Yes, that that that's what we can be sure. Obviously, it probably won't be the complete story, but it involves it. That, the, the very least, we we know that. So Thor Ragnarok is said to be by Mark Ruffalo and I think and Chris Hemsworth a a buddy road movie in some capacity. Every Marvel movie has a theme. Ant Man was a heist movie. Uh, Winter Soldier was espionage. So this is apparently a road movie. And for, for those of you that don't know. Okay, so at the end of, it was Age of Ultron, Hulk, still in Hulk form, is in a is in a jet, and turns it off and just takes control of it and just goes off somewhere. We don't know. Well, in one of the comic books, Hulk actually becomes a gladiator on this planet. Now, the minds of the Hulk and Bruce have merged, so Bruce is basically in the Hulk's body. Just kind of walking around. I don't need to go back to Bruce anymore. And so it's it's a really good storyline because it's Hulk battling these Hulk-esque aliens to eventually become the king of this planet. So imagine Thor showing up with a Rihanna flock of seagulls haircut and landing, and then it's King Hulk. People have wanted more Hulk. I'm one of them. I love Mark Ruffalo's interpretation. Absolutely, of Hulk. they haven't used him enough. And people have honestly. been people have been wanting a standalone Hulk movie. So this is a way to appease both crowds. It's well, I want to see Thor, and it's well, I want a Hulk movie. So why not do both? Because I'm going to tell you, Thor: The Dark World. Well, honestly, both Thor movies pale in comparison to all the other individual yeah. character movies. They're not probably- that I like the first Thor. I was okay with the first Thor. It was the second one that just felt like... But I'm like, talking about compared to... Oh, the, compared to the, the other, other movies. The other Captain Americas, oh, yeah. the Iron Mans. Yeah. You know, they they were... You know, they were the, the redhead stepchild of, of, of the characters. So, Marvel is doing a fantastic job with that thought process. Because they're saying, okay, well, we, we can't do all these storylines. Batman versus Superman. So what we're going to do is we're going to say we're going to create our own storyline and we're going to pepper in some of the things that people want but try to tell an original story but kind of give a wink almost. A, you know what we're doing here. You know what we're doing at this moment. You know, there were moments in Civil War. Of course, it's based off of the comic book and it had major changes to it. But that one scene where... Iron Man's got his blasters full force and Cap's got his shield up. Straight straight from the cover. That's the cover. Yeah. And so it's those moments where Marvel's thinking, because this is is the difference, and I really, for those of you listening, uh, you may have it on the background, I really want you to pay attention to what I'm going to have to say. There is no other film producer in Hollywood today that is making a film that has their storyboard already out there, learned and scrutinized by the public like Marvel. Every other studio is putting things out and they they can do as they please. If it it it, it either sinks or swims. If you're going to release Doctor Strange, you better have it right. Because whatever you do, if you make a call to something or a callback or if you reference something, People are going to say, that was issue 53 on this page, and that's not how that happened. So, and and you're going to tell, people are going to say, grow up. Well, no, because there are people that have formed their identities based upon these characters. And if you're, if you're not going to do that character justice, you're not doing me as a fan and a moviegoer justice. I'm, I'm paying you to see this character represented in a way that it deserves because for for some of you it, they're just entertainment but you gotta understand these comic books came out during during world war ii captain america's fighting off hitler these are jewish children reading these comic books growing up in an age of oppression these are people reading these comic books during the civil rights movement aka the x-men the x-men was birthed from the civil rights movement black panther i mean you have characters coming out that are the representation of the French, of the people on the outside. So that's why when you have characters like Daredevil, 
what an amazing character. Because you have somebody hindered. Like, I, I can't tell you the countless number, number of people that, that don't have sight. But what an amazing way. Because these people can still attend the films. These people still have some capacity to be entertained. And when I say these people, I mean pe- people that are inhibited with their vision. So... I just feel like Marvel is doing it right in the sense that they're saying, okay, if we are going to, if we're going to do this, because look, they tried it. They tried Punisher. It had a kind of a cult following. Eh, they tried Ghost Rider. Yep. It failed. But you know what? Ghost Rider is going to be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're going to make the Defenders, which are Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and the Punisher. Those are characters that might not be able to stand on their own. They might not be able to be in their own film to start with. But Marvel has announced these characters are going to have their own Netflix series and a group, kind of like the Avengers. But the Defenders are the Defenders of Hell's Kitchen, of New York, of one part of the city. And you know what? People are freaking out. And that's the kind of thing that you want from your fan base. Exactly. You want them to be excited. You want them... To be clamoring, I think you even you even said it that DC put out all these movie trailers, and it still didn't compare to the two teaser trailers that Marvel put out for two Netflix series. Like you said, Luke Cage and the Defenders. And I personally, I was more excited for that than for the DC stuff because it's just they've already established these characters for me. At, look, Man, Man of Steel, eh. Batman versus Superman, I will not until I, I'm going to give it a while, but I will not be in line the first night to go see either of those movies. You look, Wonder Woman, I will give the benefit of the doubt. I said it before, Wonder Woman, First Avenger. It's very reminiscent of Captain America, the first movie. Right. But I am not going to give DC the benefit of the doubt again. And look, Marvel is, Marvel is not without blame here. Marvel has released some duds, Iron Man 3, but for the most part, they they are trying to do they're trying to do something big. And if that fight scene at the airport in Civil War is indicative of things to come, I had tears in my eyes watching that scene. It, 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 and it was the only words I could think of. It's just and, and, and it's, it's not blowing out of proportion, and I, I, I use the term, it's perfect. Obviously, nothing is perfect, but it. I guess what I was thinking was, this, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what, I feel like the comic book pages are coming to life for the first time. And what an amazing turn for Marvel, releasing... The Amazing Spider-Man Two. It just Fantastic Four. Um, it it just some. Oh God! Notice me. Yeah, Electro. (laughs) That was my that was my review of the movie. Remember how adamant I was about? Look, I was a campaign. I mean, you you were you were done you were done after the first one, so. You were super critical when the second one came out, and it did, and you just were like, they did it again. What did I, and I told you, I said, this is going to be, this is going to be amazing Spider-Man, no, this is going to be Spider-Man 3, that, with James Franco, and, and, yeah. Topher Grace, and, yeah. I mean, they, they, it Eric was just too busy. And Guy from Wings. And Guy from Wings. What's his name? <laughs> I don't even know. Hayden. Christensen. Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Yes, it was actually the older version. Yes, he still found a way to ruin it. He's so sad. He's like, (laughs) that was that guy's fate. I mean, I know. Wait, can he smile? I know he was in. He was in Sideways. Sideways, drinking wine. So he must have been happy in there. Well, uh, he was with Paul Giamatti, so. Ooh, man. How can you not be happy with Giamatti? Speaking of Paul Giamatti, he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Was he? Because you could have fooled me. The Spider-Man franchises. Talk about. Sideways. Talk (laughs) about. I'm stopping the recording right now. Oh my god! Get out of my apartment. <laughs> no, but you you bring up Giamatti and talk about the biggest 
tease. I mean, they freaking marketed that trailer. Rhino's like, in Rhino's this. Rhino's in this. Rhino's cool. going to be in this movie. Oh, you mean the last two minutes yeah. of it? F you, <laughs> Sony. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Paul Giamatti still got paid $3 million for that. Yep. Problem, probably. Yep. And, I mean, he had to, he had to pay for hair plugs after shaving his head. Um, but, look, Marvel is not without sin. But when you've got Kevin Feige coming out and saying, Doctor Strange is my favorite character. And it's been this long. Marvel has had, what, 10 years, I want to say, of releasing films. And the, the guy that's headed up the Marvel Cinematic Universe says, oh, now we're getting to my favorite guy. Well, my God. They had 10 years of practice to get to his favorite, favorite character. Yeah, he's not even touching the ones he likes. And let me tell you something. When we get to Stephen Strange, I oh cannot wait. You know, a lot of people are, uh, you know, saying, oh, well, it just looks like Inception. It's like, no, look, Doctor Strange was doing Inception before Inception was. It, I want you to go and Google Doctor Strange. And look at the Google image. It, they look like blacklight posters. It, it is an else. It is an LCD. Is an LSD acid trip on a comic book page. The colors. It is, and it was birthed from that era. It was experimental psychedelics translated to the page. And you can't put that on film. But what they've been able to do, Kevin Feige has said, this is a movie that you have never seen yeah, before. Yeah, and that that statement is what excites me about the movie because I'm expecting, you know, coming from kind of a visual arts background, I'm excited to see what they have done to, to blow our minds because from the trailer, some of the trailer stuff alone is incredibly trippy. So I'm curious to, I mean, obviously they're not going to show the best stuff in the trailer. So that alone, I'm like, I want you to leave me going. How the hell did they do that? I, and I'm excited for the sheer fact that Benedict Cumberbatch came out and said, this is the start of the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. Right. Because he mentions that he, his... Well, his is, reality is it, one of many. Not, but he has one of the uh, Infinity Stones. He does. And it, it's ticked some people off that they've kind of done that, but... I can, yeah, because that's definitely not canon. I, I can see it, but the but I, they want to work him. Yeah, that's the thing. They're working him into the like you said, the cinematic multiverse. multiverse. So the Eye of Agamotto, which is synonymous with Doctor Strange, the amulet that hangs around his neck. If you look at it, you can obviously tell that it is an Infinity Stone, and people are, are have conjectured. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but. Uh, people are speculating that it is the time stone. Right. Which, if you've watched some of the trailers, you can kind of see it. It looks like some time manipulation there. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know what, I'm kind of okay with. Because people said, oh, it should be the reality gym. But I would like to see, because he has to travel long distances in a short amount of time. He the, the things that he has to deal with are space and time. And I I think that they could do some really cool stuff there. And some of the effects, I don't know if you saw it, it's very quick, but it almost looked like this wet, silky rope type attack. It almost looked like some, something out of Harry Potter where he was conjuring up some magic and using it. Well, I mean, that's essentially what he is. I mean, yeah. he is a wizard of sort. The Sorcerer Supreme, if you will. And... I'm curious, and one of the things, and I, I definitely don't want to say Marvel has made a mistake on this, but they have definitely taken a lot of liberty with the the Infinity Stones or Infinity Gems, whatever you want to call them, because I'm having a hard time tying in what I know they are in, in, in canon in the comic books with what they've made them to be so far as they've slowly shown you, from the Tesseract to the Ether to all that. And how they've explained, or, or their exp not it's not their explanation, but saying, "Oh, this is the space gym. This is the the time gym." And you, it's kind of hard to see the connection. Mm -hmm. So they've not that, like I said, not that they've done a poor job, but 
I'm, it, it's, it's, I sometimes, if, if I was trying to guess, I'd be wrong. Yeah. Because they've just kind of had to weave it into explaining why the Tesseract is... The cause, the cosmic space? No, because, no, I think, is it the, the, the gem from Guardians, the space one? See, oh, I, I tend to forget. Yeah. No, no, it's no that, was, that was power. Um, <clears throat> okay, that, so, that so the blue power. one is the Tesseract, yeah. and that's the... And there, there's a really good there's a really good chart online that shows all of the things from the different Marvel movies and what they corresponded to because I want to say that the the Tesseract is the space gem because what was in the staff was the mind gem that is now is what's planted in Vision's head. Right. Uh, the Aether from Thor: The Dark World is the reality or is it soul? No, it's. I want to say it's the reality. See, I looked at this up the other day, and that's what see, that's what I'm saying. The fact that we can't clear cut yeah. know which one it is makes me wish that Marvel could have done a little bit better job. The fact that we don't immediately know that we're having this discussion, I wish they'd have done a little bit better job at and I, and I defining think, which is which. I think they will because remember in Guardians, the Collector goes through the history of the Infinity Stones and what they are. There has got to be more exposition from the Marvel movies as far as this is what they all do. And when they come together, this is the possibility. Because what this is all building up to, since the first Iron Man and the first Avengers initiative, this is the entirety of the Marvel cinematic multiverse. This is going to be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., every Netflix, every Marvel property that you can think of that Disney owns coming together to fight one guy which has always worried me because after infinity gauntlet where are we going well you got secret wars you have uh oh um actually secret invasion from what i have heard there is a storyline where the scroll where the scroll infiltrate earth and slowly start taking over different characters. And so the Secret Invasion storyline is you, you don't know who to trust. Because are they a scrawler or are they really who they say they are? Um, and so that I think, because I, I want to say, I even think James Gunn said something about the fact that they might have Scroll and Guardians, Volume 2. Oh, well, they, they, I, I'm sure they have to because well, they have to start expanding. Well into so here's the finicky thing so, so the scroll really are a fantastic four property and so because of that disney marvel doesn't own that that would be under 20th century fox but from my understanding 20th century fox only owns the super scroll who has all of the powers of the fantastic four as far as the race i think it's fair game and i know people have said that chitari from the Avengers right. was supposed to be the replacement for the scroll, but I think there may have been some legalese in there with some leeway. And I think they may they may bring that up. They they may have them soon. which is a really cool a really cool enemy to go up against because they can adapt their powers and their looks so you really can't tell who you're talking to. But one thing I really do want to touch on uh, before we wrap this up, is the statement, the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. Remember how we talked about how the comic books would influence the future of casting and how it seems like if the comic the comic books were adapting to the actors playing the characters? Well, right. You were right. Well, you said it the other way around that the cinematic universe was determining what was yes. being done in the comic yeah, book yeah, yeah. universe. So right. that, that's what I'm trying to say. So the comic books were adapting themselves to the movies. They were changing to allow, like, you know, we have Falcon becoming Captain America. We have somebody taking over for Iron Man. We have Miles Morales, who is a different race than Peter Parker. Um, I find the statement Marvel Cinematic Multiverse very interesting because that's their out. You've got an Ultimates universe. You can just as easily have Stephen Strange phase shift into another another reality and 
all of a sudden you've got a female you, Captain America. You can deal with all new cast, all new storylines, the whole kitten caboodle. And you can maintain the original. You can always go back to it. So if you try to do something new and decide, people love RDJ way too much. We've only got one Iron Man and people aren't digging this new one. All you got to do is say, different reality. That was a different timeline. We're not going to deal with that anymore. Uh, Iron Man has been out and about doing some stuff. He's coming back. Kind of what they did with the new, uh, not to get into Star Trek, but basically what they did with the reboot of Star Trek. Yep. They just did a little timeline shift. That way they can retain all the characters and say, this is an altered timeline. Things aren't going to go the same, the same way they did before. Now... And you have to be careful with it because there is one series that has been messing with time and my God, they are leaning on it far too much now and they need to get over it. And that is the X-Men. I watched it. I watched it <gasps> last night. I you did. did? Yes. Oh, so I, that's the next one. I am prepared. Oh, <laughs> On the next episode of Real Talk, folks, producer Seth and I will be getting into X-Men Apocalypse. Well, is it the next one? I mean, will it be the actual next one that they will hear? I would I would like to hope so. Uh, in, in, it's coming. It's coming. It's I'll just say that. It's definitely coming because I, I, and we'll, and I can edit this if it's not going to happen, but I, I think we might have our first guest, maybe? I, maybe, I am maybe? hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping it sounds like it would be feasible, but I'd like to, I mean, I think, um, you know, out of all the guests to have, that'd be a good first and what better topic because that guest is very much, um, gotten into, mm-hmm. um, X-Men and probably has plenty of opines of opine oh, especially about that one that movie that guest is probably listening right now and probably thinking we should wrap this we up. have a live feed oh my god <laughs> did not realize that that about wraps it up for real talk ladies and gentlemen we will be back next week with more episodes until that time this has been alex and I with producer seth take it easy take it easy folks <laughs>